Well, good morning. Welcome and uh, Merry Christmas. It's good to be together today as we as we have this chance to to worship together on this this Sunday in the Christmas season. Before the message, I just want to take a, a few moments to to update you on, on some of the the life of our church, some of the ways that God has been working uh, in and through our church in recent days. A lot of you, if you've been here very long, are familiar with our Celebrate Recovery Ministry. It's been a, a part of our congregation for the last nine years. As it's, uh, I think I heard a, I heard a woo there. Uh, uh, and over the last nine years, Celebrate Recovery has impacted the lives of probably more people than we would ever know. Uh, people who, through that ministry, have been able to. Uh, to, to find freedom from challenges in life, but more than that, people who through that ministry have come to know Jesus Christ and people through that ministry who've become a part of other areas of our congregation as well. And we are so grateful for that. Over the last nine years, Justin and Jolene Lakey have faithfully and fearlessly led our Celebrate Covery, Covery uh, ministry. And we are so grateful for all of their dedication and sacrificial leadership in those ways as well. I was going to have Justin and Jolene up here today so you could clap and really make them feel embarrassed, but they weren't able to be here with us this morning. But, but we are just so thankful for all that they have done, and they have, have led Celebrate Recovery not only here you know, they've actually helped start other Celebrate Recovery ministry programs in our community. As others were starting these, they were helpful in getting them going. So the impact is really huge in some of what's happened there. Well, over the last several months, Justin and Jolene have, have really been just been praying and discerning God's will. And we got together a couple weeks ago and we're talking. And uh, God has been leading Justin and Jolene away from leadership of Celebrate Recovery and into leadership in other areas in our church. They are, are solely committed to serving God through our congregation, but it's going to be in areas other than Celebrate Recovery. And we don't know fully what that means. We don't know fully what that means for, for Celebrate Recovery, and we don't know fully where that's going to be lived out in the life of our church as well in the coming days. But we are a church that continues to be committed to reaching out to people in our community and to finding ways, finding ways to touch and minister to people in, in this community in which we live. We're, we're committed to that. And we've had some wonderful opportunities to do that in, in recent days. And we've talked about some of those even over this Advent season. We, we shared some of the different things that we were doing with, with Evergreen Middle School. And, and by the way, just another opportunity that we haven't talked about uh, Evergreen Middle School, sixth graders are going back to in-person school in a couple of weeks. That's the, that's the plan. If nothing changes, nothing ever changes right now, right? But the plan is for them to go back to school, uh, in-person school, in just a couple of weeks. And actually, one of the needs Evergreen had, had expressed to us was to have some volunteers in those first couple of weeks just to help as kids are there to take temperatures and check off sheets and some of that. And so if there's any of you who are interested in that, it'd be for probably less than an hour a day for a couple of weeks. You could talk to Pastor Billy or feel free to send us an email at infosvnc.org and uh, we'll get you connected there as just another way to help. But, but I just wanted you to know, to hear some of where we are with this. Uh, Justin and Jolene are going to be continuing to, to serve their heart's desire is for people to not only know about the love and grace of God, 
but to experience the love and grace of God in such a way that it's lived out in their lives. And I think that really represents our intention as a congregation too. And the reason we wanted to share some of this with you today is so that you could join us in prayer. Join us in prayer for, for what's next for Justin and Jolene, for how that will be impacted in the life of our church, and, and for our Celebrate Recovery ministry and all who've been a part of that. We really just want to pray for, for God's leadership and, and discernment in those things, and we just want to be open to the ways that God serves us in the coming days. Amen? You with me there? And so we just we, we want you to join us in prayer for this. Also, since we couldn't have them up here to embarrass them today, please make sure that you just thank Justin and Jolene for their selfless service over the last nine years. We talked about this a little bit at our board meeting last Monday, and we had a chance as a board a little bit just to say thank you to Justin for, for his role in that and for some of what they've done. But we are just so very grateful. And we just look forward to the ways that God's going to continue to work in and through our church to be God's blessing to our community in the coming days. Amen? I just invite you, I just want to take a few moments to pray today. Would you just join me as we, we pray together? Lord, we are so thankful for the ways that you have worked in and through our congregation in years past. And God, we come before you today because our, our heart's desire is just for you to be made known through us into the community around us. God, we long for people to know and experience and live out your love and grace. And so, God, we just humble ourselves before you now. We just pray that your will would be done in and through us as a congregation. Lord, I'm thankful today for, for people like Justin and Jolene Lakey who have offered themselves in faithful, sacrificial service for so many years. And Lord, I'm also grateful for, for the courage to, to step away from what is known to follow you into the unknown. And God, we just pray for your wisdom and discernment as, as you continue to work through them in our congregation. And Lord, we just pray that you would help us just to be faithful to follow you each and every day and, and one step at a time. And God, we are a church that cares about this community in which you've planted us. Lord, we desire for our neighbors to know you and experience you. And Lord, we just pray that that the, your love that has been made known to us through Jesus Christ would be made known through us to those around us. And so, God, we ask all of these things in your good and pleasing and perfect name. Amen. Well, we come together today in the midst of this Christmas season. You, you do realize it's still Christmas, don't you? It's actually the third day of Christmas, if you're counting, you know, you know that song, The Twelve Days of Christmas? It's not just a fun Christmas song. It's true that the Christmas season is a season that lasts 12 days. It, it begins on, on Christmas Day and it continues after that time. And so, so here we are on this, this third day of Christmas. And in the midst of this, this Christmas season, I realize that there are, are, are some people who've already torn down their trees and packed up the decorations and are waiting for another 11 months before they start thinking about Christmas again. But, but Christmas isn't quite over yet. And we, we want to take this time to, to consider and reflect on, on, on what it means for us that Jesus has come into this world. You know, I heard a friend of mine say a few years back that, that Jesus is not just a part of the Christmas story. 
Christmas is a part of the Jesus story. Sometimes we just make Jesus and the story of Jesus' birth just a part of our celebration of Christmas. But, but Jesus isn't just a part of the Christmas story. Christmas is one part of Jesus' story. And we are a people who, who believe that God has entered into this world through Jesus Christ and that, that Jesus is, is working in our lives and through our lives and that God wants us to be a part of what God is doing in this world. Amen? And so we want to consider what does this mean for us? How, how, does, how does the fact that, that God is with us, Emmanuel, that, that God has come into a messin, messy, messin? <laughs> a messy broken world in order to bring about God's restoration, what does that mean for us? And what does that mean for, for the way in which we, we live out our lives? And we want to, to consider this today as, as we come together. And I want us to, to, to think about the way this is lived out uh, in some different ways today. I want to invite us to a, a story that, that's really a part of this Christmas story, but, but one that we don't look at very often. It's found in, in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your Bibles today, you can join me. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2, beginning in, in verse 21. We're going to read several verses today. If, if you're able to, I'd invite you to just stand as we, we read God's Word this morning. Would you hear these words of the Lord for us today? When eight days had passed... Jesus' parents circumcised him and gave him the name Jesus. This was the name given to him by the angel before he was conceived. When the time came for their ritual cleansing in accordance with the law from Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves, or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area. Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people, Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is a sign to be the cause and the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshipped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, 
They returned to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew up and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we all say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, there's not a lot of stories about the, the childhood years of Jesus. You know, it's true of some, some other people in the Bible as well. Actually, I, I remember uh, seeing a, a family circus cartoon, I think it was, uh, about Moses' childhood. And there was a picture of, of, of childhood Moses sitting at the breakfast table with, with his cereal in front of him and a glass of milk and his arms raised up in the air and the milk parted in its glass. You know, we, we sometimes don't know what, what those early, early years were like for people, so we just imagine some of what that would be like. Throughout history, there have been people who, who imagined what some of Jesus' early days were like. There, there were stories that were told of, of, of Mary and Joseph journeying to, to Bethlehem and, and palm trees bowing down as they, as they headed towards Bethlehem. There were stories of, uh, of young Jesus creating clay pigeons out of the dirt, and after making these clay pigeons, clapping his hands and, and, and the pigeons flying off into the sky. There are other stories of Jesus when he was a little bit older, helping Joseph in, in the carpenter's workshop. And as they were working on a project, and as, as the board measured too short, Jesus just took hold of the board and stretched it to just the right length. Of course, we really don't know what to do with any of these stories because none of these are in Scripture. Scripture only has a couple of stories from the childhood years of Jesus. One is found in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew's Gospel, it's just after the Magi have come to, to visit Mary and Joseph and Jesus, that, that an angel warns them while they are sleeping to, to take this young child and to leave for Egypt because his life is threatened. Now, you know, it's kind of puzzling. None of us would probably want to wake a sleeping child in the middle of the night to begin a journey. That's what they do in, in the middle of the night without time to prepare. Mary and Joseph head for Egypt, that place where some years before God had called his people from Egypt. And now they would journey there to, to protect their child in, in his early days. So there's the one story in Matthew, and there's actually two stories in Luke's gospel. There's one after these verses when, when Jesus is a little bit older, and, and his family goes to, to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. After the celebration of the Passover, the, the family has left to return back home, and, and, and they're caravanning with everybody else, and, and they've, they've been gone for some time when Mary and Joseph realize that Jesus isn't a part of the caravan. And so they head back to Jerusalem and they begin to search the town. And eventually they find young Jesus there in the temple. The only other story of the childhood of Jesus is what we just read just a few moments ago. It's this, this ordinary story, this, this ordinary story of his early days. You know, it's not nearly as exciting to talk about as shepherds and angels and magi. It doesn't kind of conjure up some of the, the thoughts in our imagination of those, those scenes that we, we typically 
relate to, to Christmas. But, but, but here it is in these early days, these early days of the life of Jesus. Now, I'm curious, how many of you who are with us today are parents? For those of you who are parents, do you remember the early days of your firstborn child? Everything is new, right? You know, those early days, some of you don't remember those early days of your firstborn child because it's those early days when you wonder if you will ever sleep again, right? Is sleep something that's going to happen again? You know, those early days, you're, you're fascinated that how could something so small poop so much, right? Like the, those early days, you're, you're just like everything is new and you're trying to make sense of it. Because everything is new, you also tend to mark everything. Like you, everything is significant, right? It's the first time putting them in the car seat. It's the first time taking them in the car. It's the first time bringing them home. It's the first time putting them in their crib. It's the first time taking them to a doctor's appointment. It's the first time taking them to the grocery store. Like everything seems to be a milestone, right? You with me there? Like all of these things that, that in hindsight are just sort of ordinary life rhythms are significant because they're firsts. In some ways, that, that kind of seems like what's happening in this passage here. It's not these extraordinary events. I mean, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus are going through some of the ordinary rhythms of those early days in the life of a child. That's what we see happening here. And part of this, they are influenced and, and, and we see that they are, are devout, faithful people. That They are following the, what was expected of them as, as followers of God, which, which is why on the eighth day, they had baby Jesus circumcised. It was just what they did as God's people. It was one of the ways that they, they marked themselves as people who, who were were faithful to God as people who were going to live in obedience to the Lord. And then the other thing that they did was that they brought Jesus, their firstborn, and presented him. You know, this goes, goes back to, to, to the Passover in, in Egypt when the firstborn male was presented or consecrated to God. That's what Mary and Joseph do. They, they present Jesus there, and they, they're faithful to this even though they are people of humble means. We actually realize that here in these verses in Luke because it tells us that, that they, pre, they presented a, the, an offering, either two turtle doves or two pigeons, in order to fulfill the law. The, actual, the typical sacrifice was a lamb and a pigeon or a lamb and a turtle dove. But for those families who didn't have the means to, to provide a lamb in their sacrifice, two pigeons or two turtle doves would do. So Jesus came from this, this humble family and they were, were faithful and obedient in these early days of his life to present him to, the, to God, to, to do these things that, that were asked of him. You know, it, it's just sort of ordinary life. I mean, what, what's the significance of this for all of us? You know, there's a story I like to tell especially as we think about some of the ways in which God is working. It's a, a story from when I was in, in college. Uh, one year, I, I took a science class for one of my science electives called Birds of Prey. Some of you who went to NNU maybe have taken that class before. At the end of, uh, of our first quarter, we, we stuck around for an extra week in December, and we studied Birds of Prey. 
we had time in class, but a lot of the class was actually spent out looking for birds and, and watching birds as they, as they were hunting or roosted or whatever birds do, right? You know, one day we were driving uh, along the, the Payette River in through the mountains of Idaho, and it was December. So we're following this, this windy river, and there's snow and ice on the roads. And all of a sudden, our professor jerks over to the side of the road, points across the river, and says, look. And like all of us in the van, we, we look out the window, and we look, and we don't see anything. And then eventually, one by one, we start to see this bird far on the other side of the river up in this tree. At first, I was fascinated how in the world did our professor see this bird while he, while he was driving the van. And then I thought, wait a second, how did he see this bird while he was driving the van? Like here we are on this windy, icy road. What is he doing looking off in trees on the other side of the river, right? But then it dawned on me. The way he was able to see that bird is because he had spent his lifetime training his eyes to see birds. He knew where to look. He knew how to distinguish their shapes from other shapes. He had trained his eyes to see birds. And so what was difficult for us to see was easy for him to see. Well, I've come to appreciate that because it reminds me that it's important for us to train our eyes to see where God is working. It's important for us to train our eyes to see the places where God is showing up in our midst. I think we see some of that in this story of, of these early days in the life of Jesus. Because it was there, when, when they took him there, that we encounter these two people. One is a man by the name of Simeon. Simeon wasn't, he wasn't a priest. He, he wasn't anyone special. This was just an, an ordinary man who was led by the Holy Spirit. An ordinary man who, who, who was led by the Holy Spirit. You know, unfortunately, that's not something we talk about a whole lot. Not as often as we should. We don't spend a lot of time talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. It's all too tempting for us, even for us in the church, to just kind of get caught up in living good lives and to ask God to bless what we're already doing. Simeon reminds us, though, that the way that we are called to live as God's people is to live as people who are led by the Holy Spirit, to allow God to, to lead us and guide us, to allow God to, to show us the ways in, in which we are, we are called to live. So here was Simeon just sort of going about his, his ordinary business when when, when he senses God's leading, that, that God is, is making himself known. And because Simeon has trained himself to, to, to hear God's leading and to follow God's leading, Simeon doesn't miss what is happening in that moment. And he gives praise to God. He can identify that, that what is happening with this young child is a part of what God has been up to for so long because the, these words that Simeon has to say, he's, he's drawing back from the prophet Isaiah and, and sharing how what is happening now is this thing that God has been doing across time and God is working in new ways here right now. The other person that, that we see in this is, is a lady named Anna who who'd been widowed for a long, long time. 
We see in Luke she was just married for seven years when her husband died. She's 84 years old now. She's lived a long, hard life. You know, for someone who was widowed at that time in that place, it would be very difficult for them to provide for themselves. She'd have a lot of reasons in her life to be frustrated, to be tired, to even be a little bit bitter. But what we see, though, about Anna is that she remained in the temple day and night. She spent time in in prayer and and in fasting and, and just there before God. Now, it says that she remained in the temple constantly, that, but, but surely she had to leave sometimes, right? You know, it's an interesting thing, though, about, about the temple. The temple was a physical place, and she likely did spend her time, much of her time there. But the temple is also a theological place. See, the temple was the place where, where it was believed that, that God dwelt here on the earth. And so by staying in, in the presence of the temple was also saying that, that Anna stayed in the presence of God. She remained in the presence of God. And because she was near to God, because she was close to God, because she spent time in prayer and fasting, she too identified that God was up to something new in this young child. She identified that, and she, she spoke about that, and she shared what, what was going on there. See, both Anna and Simeon joined in what the Holy Spirit was doing there. You know, Luke tell, only identifies those two in this story. The temple would have been a busy place. Even when it wasn't a, a holy day, the, the temple was, was a busy place. There would have been a lot of people there, and the kind of people who showed up at the temple when it wasn't a holy day? Those are the kind of people who show up a couple of days after Christmas when there's ice on the ground, and they still make it to church, right? The people who would show up at the temple when it wasn't some special occasion were were the kind of people who were devoted. They were committed. They loved God. And yet the only ones that we hear in this story who recognized what God was doing that that day were, were Simeon and Anna. You know, I wonder sometimes how easy it is for us to miss what God is doing. How easy it can be for us to just kind of go about the rhythms of life, even good things, even rhythms of of faithful obedience, and yet miss the places where God shows up because we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit's leading. You know, my, my prayer for, for you and for me and for our congregation is that we would be people like Simeon and Anna. That we would be people who, who are so in tune with the Spirit's leading. That we would be people who, who spend so much time dwelling in the presence of God. That when God shows up in the unlikely places, we see it. We see God because we can pick out His shape from far away. We know the kinds of places where God shows up and we, we see where God is working. And like Simeon and, and Anna, when we see where God shows up, we join in what God is doing. My prayer is that, that we would be that kind of a people who see where God is working and join God in those places. Well, so how, do, how do we do that? How do we learn to see God? How do we learn to hear the voice of God and respond 
in faithful obedience. You know, as we, as we come to this time of the calendar year for us, you know, this is a time of year in which, which many people sort of take stock of, of where they've been this last year and begin to think about what it is that they want to do in the coming days. What are those changes, what are those practices that we want to, to establish in our lives to live the kind of life that we hope to live in the coming year? As we think of those things, I just want to remind us of some of the kinds of practices that ground us. You know, we've talked about this before as a congregation, but I'm reminded today of, of the means of grace. Some of those ways in which God works in the lives of God's people. See, to be a people who, who want to dwell in the presence of God and be led by the Holy Spirit means that we, we wait on God, but, but we don't just sit back passively. What is that thing that we do? What are those ways in which we, we allow ourselves, we train ourselves to see and hear what it is that God is doing? You know, you know the means of grace, there, there are five means of grace that, that are practices, ways in which God has worked through God's people across time and place. The first is prayer. Being people of prayer, allowing ourselves to, setting aside, aside time to, to come before God, to give God praise to pray for others, to confess our sins, to humble ourselves and offer ourselves to God, praying that God's will would be accomplished in and through our lives. You know, being people of prayer so that we learn to, to hear the voice of God, so that we regularly spend time in the presence of God. Prayer is one of the ways that God works through the lives of His people. And allowing prayer to be a, a regular rhythm of our life allows God to have that space to work in our lives. You know, a second way goes hand in hand with prayer, and that's spending time in Scripture. As we spend time in Scripture, it forms us. It shapes us. It changes who we are. You know, when I was growing up, my, my best friend's name was, was Joel. And, and Joel and I spent a lot of time together. Now, my friend Joel and my sister did not get along with each other. Any of you have friends that your siblings didn't get along with? They didn't get along together. I remember one time, though, when my sister said, Mark, you're starting to act a lot like Joel. Joel and I had been spending a lot of time together, and, and so because we'd been spending time together, I started picking up some of him, his mannerisms and saying some of the things that he was saying. And guess what? He started to do the same thing about me. You know, whenever you spend time with somebody, you start to act kind of like that person, right? You know, when we spend time in Scripture, when we spend time in the presence of God, it changes our lives. As we spend time with God, our, our lives are changed and transformed. And so prayer and, and Scripture, and another one is fasting. Fasting isn't something we always like to talk about, especially around the holidays, you know, fasting is, is perhaps one of the most significant witnesses that we can give today in a consumeristic culture to just stop, to let go, to take a break, to learn to trust God instead of stuff is one of the ways that, that we come to, to depend on God and who God is. You know, another way in, in which we, we practice or, or we learn to be formed by God is through the sacraments through baptism, and through communion. As we practice these rhythms that, that make us a, a part of God's larger community of faith, as we live out in faithful obedience some of the things that God has instructed 
God's people to do. And the last thing, a means of grace, is, is what John Wesley referred to as Christian conference. But what we tend to think more about is, is living in faithful community with one another. Recognizing the fact that we need one another to live the kinds of lives that God calls us to live. You know, here in our local congregation, we talk sometimes about being a part of something like a connect group or like a life group. It's the fact that, that all of us need to have people in our lives who can help us. We need people that, that we can share openly and honestly with about life's joys and about life's struggles. We need people that we can be on this journey of faith with, that, that we can not just study Scripture, but we can allow Scripture to influence our lives and form and shape who we are and the ways in which we live. And we need other people in our lives who can encourage us and pray for us. Are you with me on this? You know, so, so my prayer for us as a church is that we'd be like, like Simeon and like Anna, that we'd be people so in tune with the Holy Spirit that we would see those places where God shows up. And when we see God showing up, we would join in what God is doing there. And so I just pray that, that we would, would live out some of these means of grace, that we would allow God to form us and shape us so that we can experience God in fresh new ways this coming year. So we can see the places where God is working in our church and in our community and beyond, and we can just join in what God is doing and celebrate that, that Christmas isn't just a day, that, that Christmas, Jesus isn't just a part of the Christmas story, but that Christmas is a part of what God is doing in this world. And we want to join in what God is doing in this world and celebrate the coming of Emmanuel into the world, not just on Christmas, but that Emmanuel is with us always. Amen? Let's pray together today. Lord, we thank you today that you have come into this world. And God, we thank you today that, that you've not only come into this world, but that you've come into the lives of all who know and trust in you. And Lord, today, as, as we gather together as a congregation, both in person and online, Lord, today, we just humble ourselves before you. And Lord, we just desire to be a people who dwell in your presence, who are in tune with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, who, who would humbly and faithfully follow wherever you go, whatever you do. So Lord, today as we gather on this last Sunday of 2020, Lord, we celebrate the ways in which you have worked this last unusual year. And God, we look ahead to the days that are coming for us. And Lord, we pray that, that by the power of your Spirit working within us, that you would help us to live in fellowship and relationship with you. And Lord, would you help us to have eyes to see the things that you are doing in our midst and around us and the courage to join you in those places. So God, as we gather this day, we thank you for your loving faithfulness. We thank you that you are a God who is with us now and always. And Lord, I pray for, for this congregation, Lord, that that we would live in faithful obedience this day and in the days ahead of us. Lord, we, we again celebrate the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
and what that means for us, not just this Christmas season, but each and every day. We pray all of these things, Lord, in your good name. Amen. As you go today, would you just go in the grace and peace that comes through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? As you go today, would you go as a people tuning your ears and focusing your eyes to hear and see God working in our midst? Would you go in his grace and peace? Amen.